<laughs> Welcome, everybody. For those of you who are wondering what you just tuned into, <laughs> it is another edition of the Legal Geeks with your two mega geeks, Jessica, Jessica, and Joshua Gilliland. Hey, Josh. Hello, Jessica. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what movie we are just referencing, shame on you. You're probably way too young. Um, for the rest of you, hopefully you know what we were doing. We were trying to reenact, albeit poorly, the opening scene of the fantastic, the amazing, the mid-80s classic... Ghostbusters. Hey, <laughs> And I want to press, like, Ray Parker on my boombox and start jamming out to who you're going to call. <laughs> If you even have a boombox still, that's that's pretty impressive. So. <laughs> I still carry it around with me. <laughs> yeah, we have these wonderful MP3 players, a new <laughs> iPad out there, but no, I'm still going to carry a boombox. <laughs> yes. I actually plug my shuffle into it, but I just like the look, you know. <laughs> yeah. as, as long as you technology, or, or, you know, airplay over the boombox from your that's iPad. That <laughs> makes sense. Oh, God. All right. We are such geeks, Josh. Ah, so anyway, now we have to do the legal part to show that we're legal geeks, not just geeks. Um, we are here today to discuss the Ghostbusters and some of the legal issues that you found, actually, with this movie. So we're going to talk about this a little bit. And let's see. We're going to start off with, well, what are the possible legal issues that you saw in Ghostbusters? There are several. And let's just do some issue spotting, and then we're going to dive into another, another one entirely. Okay. First issue. issue. Bill Murray is kind of creepy with the ladies in this movie. (laughs) He's willing to electrocute another dude. Oh, God. Which I think that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. But but you think about this, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. He's like electrocuting a a college kid to flirt with a co-ed. So so there's one. When, Only when 75 goes, more questions to go. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to Dana's apartment, and she's, you know, you know, playing key master and gatekeeper and all that fun stuff. He apparently has enough medication to knock her out. That, who travels with that? I know he's a doctor, but that's, that, doesn't that bother anyone else besides me? I don't think he's that kind of doctor, first of all. I don't think he's a medical doctor. That's a good point. I never thought about that. How does he knock her out? Why, why did you have that handy? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just freaking people out, you know, as well. Now, we have some regulatory issues. Of you, yeah. have, you have proton packs, which apparently are nuclear-powered, so <laughs> the, the, the Secretary of Energy might want to be involved with that one. And the containment field for the ghosts is also something that would probably be a regulated industry of some, of some kind. And if the you guys... Think? The guys from Con Ed don't know what's going on. That there could be some issues there. Now, now the sequel also touched touched on some you know, issues with you know the injunction against them, and Rick Moranis not knowing how to make a coherent legal argument, which was you know entertaining of uh, you know saying you don't want my clients exposing themselves, and you know I got this restraining order from the lady you know this blue thing right here, and so there were there were some funky issues with that. The- okay, wait. We have to stop for a second. When was the last time you saw Ghostbusters two? Uh, it was on. It was on cable last night. So that's. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I decided to research these issues. Because okay. so. I don't think I've seen it since it came out, and it was such a disappointment. I haven't watched it again. So it's been decades. And that's understandable. 
because it, it I was, actually have to tell you, sorry, but one more interruption. In my, if you talk about you know what are your favorite books or the best books you've ever read, probably the worst book I ever read is one time out of desperation I had nothing to read. I read Ghostbusters 2, the book, based on the movie. And there is nothing so bad as a book based on a movie sequel that was already bad. But that's how hard up I was for a book to read. <laughs> Somewhere there's a librarian who's crying. <laughs> Let's, let's focus in on what I think is probably the more intellectually stimulating issue in Ghostbusters. And that is, were these ghosts formerly living human beings now imprisoned within the Ghostbusters containment field? Do we have an issue of false imprisonment against the Ghostbusters? I have to say, that is a brilliant legal question. I've always seen the regulatory issues, obviously, in Ghostbusters, but I've never thought about that kind of idea. Is there some sort of false imprisonment? Well, first, why don't you explain to us what is considered false imprisonment? Well, under New York law, because this was taking place in New York, we did a little research here, and so, uh, you know, New York, uh, you know, CLS, uh, you know, Penal Code Section uh, 135.10, says a person is guilty of unlawful imprisonment in the first degree when he restrains another person under circumstances which expose the latter to a risk of serious physical injury. Or, under section 135.05, a person is guilty of unlawful imprisonment in the second degree when he restrains another person. Just by way of comparison, just to look at the California jury instructions so we we could break down the elements of what you would have to prove, you know, under California, it's one, a person intentionally and unlawfully restrained, confined, or detained another person, compelling that person to stay or go somewhere. Two, okay. the, other, the other person did not consent to the restrained, confined, or, or detention. And three, the restrained, uh, confined, or detained uh, detention was accomp- uh, accomplished by violence or, or menace. And so when you think huh. about it, you have the Ghostbusters with their proton packs, shooting energy beams at these formerly living people. Don't cross the streams. Because that's bad. <laughs> said crossing the streams was bad, Ray. <laughs> and, and when you do that, uh, you know, they go into the trap and then they're placed into, you know, the containment field. Is What issues do we have with that? Well, if you think about it and you start breaking down the statutes, uh, the issue turns on what is a person? And, mm. you know, under New, the New York Constitution, you know, a, a person, you know, cannot, you know, be deprived of their liberty without due process of law, and you also have the 14th Amendment issue there, but the issue is, how is a person defined? And when you think about it, the law is designed to protect the living, because those who mm-hmm. drafted the laws don't think about the dead coming back. The dead don't come back. Now, sure, Unless they're zombies. This is true, but that's another topic. <laughs> and even then, you get out the blunt weapons and you go to town. But when you think <laughs> about it, we, we did not design the laws with the dead in mind to have causes of action. Sure, you might, you know, you have wills and we have trusts, and those are, you know, to facilitate the living's wishes after they've died. Mm-hmm. So you have that. Uh, you also have, you know, issues with desecration of corpse because we actually have a lot of law on that. And mm-hmm. then the intent with that body of law is to make sure people get buried. 
So could like the executor of somebody's estate challenge the imprisonment of a ghost? I, I'm going to say probably not. And, and the reason for it is the law was designed to protect the living. And after you're dead, you're no longer a person because you're dead and your body's still buried in the ground. But the 14th Amendment issue deals with citizenship, not just whether you know, you're a person, but citizenship. And de denying somebody due process you know, who's a citizen of the United States. And I, I think you could argue that death by itself does not end citizenship. But it ends Corporations, they're not a living entity, and they get to keep on their citizenship, right? Yeah, but that's different. They don't have all the same rights and privileges you know, as, as an artificial person. You know, we, we did not contemplate unliving people you know, to have causes of action. And so, you know, granted, there's some contract, you know, agreements, that sort of thing, that, that obviously survive after you've died, and, and wills and trusts and that sort of thing. But all that was designed to further your interests from when you were alive. And so it's a very, it, the citizenship one is interesting because we don't consider people who have died no longer to be Americans. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we have monuments and huge cemeteries for those who fought for this country and those who we consider great leaders. We, we carve faces into mountains. You know, we, we, you know, we do a lot to, to honor those. So citizenship doesn't end with death. However, the laws weren't designed for the undead. Right. And I, I think that's the big issue because the laws were designed for the living. Basically, the laws have a finite ending. When you die, your right to uh, seek recourse under the laws is over. Yeah, to, to a point. I mean, like, you know, again, if the body's out of the casket and running around, maybe you could have, you know, an issue with trying to get it back into the ground type of thing. Uh, but, you know, the desecration of a corpse logic is designed to keep people buried. Intact. That and you could even argue that that also is still to protect the living. It's for those who are still alive. I mean, we are actually as much as when we're dead, we're dead, and you can get into all kinds of religious uh, discussions there. But none of us like the idea of after a, we're dead, our bodies can be desecrated. So I would argue that even those kind of desecration laws are really for the living. Um, yeah. You know, the point is not so much to protect the dead at that point, but to protect those who are living and to give us peace of mind, so that way we know when we die, hopefully our bodies will not be desecrated. So and, and that. Was that was the purpose of, the, of those laws, and that goes back to the 19th century with case law right. from, from New York, uh, for example. So it, there, there is definite case law on that, and it's old, you know, and so and everyone yeah. who decided it is, is very dead right now. So that's, uh, <laughs> uh, so again, just, just little things like that, that, that you have with the dead trying to raise a claim of false imprisonment because they're in the Ghostbusters containment field. Huh. Well, very interesting. I will coming back to Ghostbusters for a minute, and I should say, too, Happy Halloween. This is kind of a Halloween post talking about ghosts and goblins. Um, so one of these years, I've got to go as a Ghostbuster for Halloween. But who is your favorite Ghostbuster? Well, uh, I do have round rim glasses as well, and, and I've been called Egon more than once in, in my childhood. So uh, I'm probably going to go with Egon in this one, even though it's... Uh, <laughs> There could be a good argument for Ray. Uh, there definitely could be a good argument for Ray, but I'm, I'll, Egon's probably a safer bet. I just say I thought Egon was pretty cool. Actually, he had a little bit more of the strong, silent thing going. Annie Potts dug him, so you know you'd have that. I think Annie Potts, she's freaking awesome. So I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, but then she went for Rick Moranis in the second one, and that—that's <laughs> that, a game changer right there. That's a. Uh, 
Um, granted, he was the a lawyer. The second one doesn't count. Wipe that out of your... <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Granted, he was a lawyer, so you know maybe we can give him a free pass there for way to go, dude. But that—that's that, that, <laughs> the issue there. And you, who was your favorite Ghostbuster? Oh, it is tough. They're all different things. Obviously, Bill Murray, Venkman, you know, he always had an appeal, but now that you've pointed out how creepy he is, I'm a little bit skewed by that. Um, I always have to say Ray. I mean, he's just so lovable. You know, he's really, like, so geeky. And I guess I appreciate he's got a lot of that enthusiasm like I have, too. He's a very enthusiastic geek. So I think I relate to Ray. Probably if I were to have to be one, that's the one I would be, kind of the very geeky, gullible, excited one all the time. So That's a big Twinkie. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Oh, good times. Yes, well, Jessica, America, stay geeky. <laughs> Happy Halloween.